Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at one verse, verse 4, and we're going to be finishing up what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the fact that as we've looked through this passage, starting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we've talked about the fact of the oneness that God is calling us to, all right? We're one, we're united together. We've looked at it many different ways. We're not going to cover everything in verse 4 today, but we're going to cover part of it. And so today what we're finishing up is the one calling. God has placed a calling on every believer's life. One calling on every single one of our lives. Does anybody remember what that calling is? A call to what? Servanthood. That's exactly right. Our job is to serve. Every single believer in Christ, our job is to serve. No one is given a pass on that. That's not something that's delegated to preachers and to people who are staff people or or whatever else, or elders, deacons, whatever you want to call them in a church, or Sunday school class teachers. It's not just certain people who have been called to serve others. We've all been called to serve, every person. And in fact, the scripture is adamant about it by saying, the what shall be first and the what shall be last? The last shall be first, the first shall be last. So our job is to go to the bottom and serve everybody. So as we're looking at this one calling that God has placed on our life, we're going to look at it in verse 4 as it finishes up this, this statement where it says, One body, one spirit, just as also you were called to in one hope of your calling. So we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks talking about being one body, about how we're connected to God and how we're connected to each other. And not only are we connected to each other, we're interconnected to each other. Some of us have the same gifting. Some of us have the same talents. But some of them are given in different measures. Remember of that? So there's, we're, giving, we're given some of the same gifts and talents, but we're still in the body being given different measures so that everyone has an inner working within the body. Everyone has an inner working with each other. There is one spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same spirit in each one of us. Though that we worship in different manners and in different ways, some of us worship in very rigid or not in rigid, it's not the good way. How about liturgical? We follow an order, okay, of the way that things go, and we follow that all the time. Some people have a, a very free worship where they don't even have an order of worship. We don't even know how many songs we're going to sing. We don't even know when it's going to stop, all that kind of thing. We worship in a manner that's comfortable to us. It's the same Holy Spirit that is in each one of those places. We're all still part of the same body and in the same spirit. So the last part of this says this. You are called in one hope of your call. So what are we talking about when we're talking about one hope? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. We're going to look at each one of these over the course of the next few weeks, but today we're going to be looking at the, the hope part of that. So there's three things that remain from our faith, right, our, in, in our relationship with God. Put it that way. We have faith, we have hope, and then we have love. Now, it says the greatest of these is what? Love. love. But we don't need to discount the other two. We don't need to discount our faith and what that brings to our lives and the lives of those who are around us nor do we need to discount our hope. The reason the world is like the world is today because in our natural state, we are caught up in what we can do. And when we fail, we lose hope because we see our failures. We, we see our failures morally. We see our failures ethically. We see our failures with each other. And then people do what? 
They take their own life because they lose hope. We need to understand that we have hope that is found that is not in this world. We go through all kinds of different things, but our hope doesn't rely upon the President of the United States. Thank you, Jesus. All right? It does not. It does not rely on Congress. Thank you, Lord. It does not rely on what's going on in Russia or the Ukraine or Iran or anywhere else or Saudi Arabia. It, it's, we're connected there, but it doesn't mean that, it, that our life is dependent upon what's taking place and what decisions are made somewhere else. Why? Because we have a different leader of our lives. Our life has been surrendered to something else. We are a servant of a different master. And that master tells us through his word that he's got this. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage for us to be reminded of the fact that God's got this. Okay? So Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to start looking in verses 13 through 16 in the first part of this. So why should we have hope? For when God made his promise to Abraham... Since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. That's a capital H. It means he didn't swear. He swore by himself. He took an oath against himself. Okay? Saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently walked, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them the oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. The promise that we have, the promise of hope, is God's assurance is our adoption. We have an assurance from God that we are a part of his kingdom. Why is that? Because he made that promise to Abraham. Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel, Old Testament. Alright? So the nation of Israel comes out of that. Then Christ comes. And then now we as Gentiles in the New Testament and Jews that believe in Christ Jesus are a part of that family of God. We are a descendant of Father Abraham. The same promise that was made to Abraham is the same promise that is made to us. That's why we have this hope. God made the promise on God himself. We don't make promises that way. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we're going to be there tomorrow. All right? Have you ever said that before? I promise I'm going to do that. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, I'll get there, okay? We make promises that are greater than someone than of ourselves, right? That we can't control that. The creek may rise. You know what I mean? We may not be able to get there. That's our out, isn't it? <laughs> Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Well, the creek rose. I couldn't get there. <laughs> we need to understand that when we make promises, Scripture is very adamant about the words that we give. Let our yes be a yes and our no be a no. Our words have meaning. And because our words have meaning, we need to understand and be careful with the words that we use. Have you ever made a promise to your children and then not be able to fulfill it? I'm sure every single person in this room has. And I'm sure every one of your children have reminded you of that. Remember, Daddy, back in the day when you broke that promise to me? Remember when you said I turned 16, you were going to buy me a car? Well, it didn't happen. You didn't do it. You broke a promise to me. We break promises. God does not break his promises. Why? Because he is God. It is his character. He is making that oath upon himself. He is sinless. 
He cannot fail. He cannot fall. So if he makes this promise to Abraham that he will be faithful to him and that he will multiply him, that's our hope. That's our assurance because we fall under the love and the care and the comfort of the same God. Ephesians 2, chapter 2 verse 12 says this, Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is separation from God. That is the natural state of man right now. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have hope. Our hope is not in our pastor. Our hope is not in each other. All of our hope is in God. The world does not have this. So thus, the world has no what? No hope. They're trying to find answers in every way, shape, form, and fashion to give a reason for everything. We're all, are y'all, did y'all sign up to go storm Area 51? We need to go find out if there's aliens. That's right. <laughs> Look around. Yeah, Ron's here. <laughs> Ron's here. Look, you know what I'm saying? We got to have an answer. There's something else out there. There's got to be, right? There's got to be another planet that will sustain life. This can't be an act of God. God can't have created this. God had, can't have ordained this because then we would have to acknowledge God. And we don't acknowledge God. So we have to find the answer for this. They got something stored over there, some green-looking, googly thing, and, and he's going to tell us about whatever else is out there. He's going to enlighten us. We've got to figure this out. Guys, we've got to understand that we were created. God foreordained that we should be here for such a time as this. He has placed us here by his omnipotence, his omniscience, his power placed us here. And we have a job to do to serve him. That is our hope. That is our understanding, is that God is greater than this. The world does not get this. It's very difficult for us today because we don't have the same standing in society that we had 25, 50, 75 years ago. In the center of our communities and in the center of Flowery Branch, there is a what? Church, when we, I can go to Watkinsville, the county in which I grew up in, Oconee County, in the center of that county, in the county seat, on the four corners of the main road where it intersects others, there's churches. Some of those churches have been turned into other things because there's no longer a church there. But when the community was founded, that's what it was founded upon. In the center of every bit of that was was our faith. That's not the case anymore. The communities in which we live in are not centered around our faith. And so because we're not the center anymore of anything, culturally, in the center of town or in the center of someone's life, then we're on the periphery. We're outside looking in now. And so we're trying to figure out how we can get back into those environments. We're going to have to do that differently than we've done that before. Now, please hear me, okay? Hear what I'm saying and listen to my heart, okay? I went by a town today, yesterday, actually not today, it was yesterday. I was driving through a town, and they were having an old-style tent revival. 
Can God still work in that? Yes, he can. Is he going to probably work the same way that he worked 50 years ago in that? Probably not. So we got to figure out how we can culturally be effective today with the gospel in a different way, shape, form, or fashion that might be just as effective as a tent revival was then. But we're not thinking that way. We're wanting to go back and relive what was. And I'm just telling you that God said that he was going to pour new wine into new wineskins. And that our new wine was not supposed to go in, what? Old wineskins. Because it would cause them to, what? Burst. And so when he tells us that, we got to get out of these blinders and thinking, and the way of thinking, of thinking that he's going to do that the same way. Look, we're doing that here. The thought process is, this is Mount Salem Baptist Church. We're part of Flower Branch. Throw the doors open. Y'all come, and they're going to come. They're not going to come. So we got to go into the center of Flowery Ranch this coming Saturday, and we got to be a light in a dark world by handing out water when it's going to be 90. And we handed out all the water we could handle last year. And it was a big deal. It was a big deal for us, and it was a big deal for them. Why is that important? We're just giving away stuff. Then we're just passing out money. We could be using that water for something else. We could be using that money for something else. No, that's not what God has called us to do. We're hope they have none. We're love they have none. We're faith they have none. So we've got to do this. Our job as servants is to get out of these four walls and to get out in that community. It's not in a day and age where we're in the center anymore and we open the doors and they fly open and say, Tim Hunter's preaching here. Put that out on the sign. They'll have them coming in by the droves. Everybody's going to be going, Tim who? If they ask Marsha, Marsha goes, he's crazy. <laughs> they, they definitely aren't going to show up, right? Okay, Putting my picture on the internet is not going to be a big draw. All right? So we got to figure out some way to make this happen. We have to understand this for what it is. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about this again, but I'm going to give it to you. Faith is the assurance of the things that we have hoped for. It's a definition. As you define faith, hope is in the definition of faith. And this assurance that we have from God is part of the definition of faith. We have to see that interconnectedness of this and understand that this is a promise made of God. And we should have hope in that promise because God is who he says he is. Hebrews 16, 17 through 19 says this. In the same way, God. Stop right there for just a second. That's, that, do, you, do you follow me? He just made a promise. In the same way that God made the promise. So if he made the promise about, amongst himself or upon himself, right? Then the very thing that I'm about to tell you follows the same line. So in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his what? Purpose. Interposed with an oath so that by the two interchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as the anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. So just as God made a promise, God gave a purpose. In other words, we're not just serving randomly. We know how God wants us to serve. We're not supposed to go serving by going out in the world and act like the world. That's not what he's calling us to do. God has told us how we are supposed to serve. We're supposed to serve that promise with a purpose. And the scripture tells us what that purpose looks like. It doesn't say that we have to wear a suit and tie to come to church. We make it into some things sometimes. But it doesn't, say, it doesn't say that this table has to be here. And it doesn't say that this table has to have these words on this. It doesn't say any of that. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we make it into things that it doesn't say. And then sometimes we won't do the things that it says for us to do. So there's a purpose to how God wants this to go. And sometimes it's not what we think it's supposed to be like. Sometimes it is what it always is, what God wants it to be like. And he tells us that purpose. He tells us that we're going to have hope. That hope is to be sure of him and to be steadfast. The purpose of hope, God's aim, is our inheritance. We get heaven. We live in hell. Do you get that? For a believer and follower of Christ, this is as bad as it gets. I went by a sign this past week. We, we're so good sometimes when in churches. We're encouragers. It says, you think it's hot here? That's what it said on the sign of the church. I was like, whoo. That's encouragement for the community. You're all dying and going to hell. You think it's hot here? You ain't seen nothing yet. We need to understand this is hell for us. This is bad as you will physically feel. This is the most broken you will ever be emotionally. This is the weakest that you will ever be. This is the most wrong you will ever have to endure. This is the most loveless you will ever feel. This is the most separation from your creator that you will ever, this is the most separated you will ever be. This is dumb as you will ever be. Thank the Lord. Do you get that? This is as bad as it gets on all fronts. If you can make it through this, your eternity is an inheritance that is with the Father. And I'm going to look good. Y'all are not even going to recognize me. And I'm probably not going to recognize y'all. Do you remember me, Tim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't look like that. That's what my glorified body looks like. Do you see? I'm going to have hair again. It's going to be great. And Ron's like, woohoo! Ron's back there going, I've seen pictures of Ron. Ron had hair. We get that stuff back, man. Glorified body. It looks good. 
It's healthy. We're emotionally sound. There's no more crying, no more pain. It's just the things that we just sang about. None of that. It's all gone. That's hope. The promise has been given to us. Our purpose has been laid out. Why are we trying to live for everything else? Why are we trying to live like they live? When I say they, those who separated from the Father. Why are we trying to keep up with the Joneses when the Joneses are lost as 400? Because you need to know something else. If this is our hell, this is their heaven. For just as bad as it is for us, it's as good as it gets for them. So when you drive by and you see all the houses and you're going, who in the world, how can they afford this? What kind of job they got to get? They doing drugs. I don't know what they're doing. They're selling something. They can't be making that kind of money. It's craziness. How can this many people live in houses like this? Why worry about it? Keep your head down, your eyes on the prize. Later on in chapter 12 of Hebrews, he says, Fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. Don't get caught up in the things of this world which so easily entangle us. It's not part of our purpose. Do you get that? And that's okay. Why? Because we're here to serve. Our job is to be servants. Serving is out of style. Totally out of style. Volunteer to be a waitress somewhere or a waiter. When you go today and you go eat lunch, stand in their shoes. And you're going, I've been sitting here for five minutes and nobody has showed up yet. What is going on? I could have drove through and got this. I'd be eating by now. You don't know what they're going through. There's a lot of times I'm getting here and I'm sitting here with a waitress and the, and the waitress comes up and they go, the kitchen, man, they are so overrun. <laughs> you know how the buck gets passed from one thing to another. I'm so sorry about that. Those people back in the kitchen don't know what they're doing. I'm like, please don't send my food back then. I'll take it just like it is. See, we don't know what's going on. They could be short-staffed somewhere. They could have all this stuff going. We don't know. Our, it's not our job. You can wait for a glass of water. It'll be okay. And I can look around. We're all okay if we miss a meal. We ain't going nowhere. We are not going to dry up and blow away. It's going to be all right. I ain't tipping. I'm going to write a little nasty note, and they're going to put it on the Internet. We're not. We're missing it. We're forgetting our purpose. Forgetting our purpose. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. Titus 3, 7. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
Paul is not just telling us this here. He is telling us the same thing over and over and over and over. Don't be like your children. How many times have I told you not to do this? I can remember my mom. Oh, this is great. I'm as stupid as they come, all right? But I, I was the only time my mom said, do not reach up there and touch that with your hand on the, it's on the stove. So guess what I did? I reached up and yanked that thing down, and the whole thing fell on me. I got burned. I told you all the story about my going to my grandparents, having my new boots that I would gotten, new dingo boots I just got for Christmas. It was Christmas afternoon. Supposed to be going to eat with my grandparents. My dad said, do not step in that mud puddle that is out there in the driveway. First thing I did when I got out is I went, my dad woofed me back up, drove me all the way back home, beat me, changed me, and took me back. I'm like, I would have never known that puddle was there if he hadn't told me. I didn't even know my mom was cooking dinner, but she told me not to do it, and I went and did it. Is that dumb or what? But that is what we do, is it not? Ten Commandments. Don't lie. I'm going to lie just to see what happens. Don't envy. I'm going to want it just to see if I get it anyway. We do it. I, I think today, I mean, this past week, somebody was delivering something to someone in their 80s. And then... I mean, like a driver of something and then assaulted them. I mean, what are you thinking? What is that? Do you think that they just want to get caught? How can somebody, we were talking about this right before, and I'm going to stop. I'll quit. I promise. This is it. How many teachers that are now going to jail because they're messing with kids at school? I mean, how do you not know? You're going to get caught. This is a child. They're going to tell somebody. You're going to jail. But yet they just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Do they want to get caught? Let me tell you, if you're sitting right now and you want to get caught, he knows you're caught. Why jeopardize all of it, his promise for your own pursuit. Drop it and get on board his purpose. Communion. We're about to enter into that. I'm going to ask our deacons to come up. And as our deacons come up and they stand here um, as we get ready to serve communion, let me just tell you this as they're coming up. Y'all come on up. It's all good. You can walk while I'm talking. Watch my wife. She does it all the time. All right. Y'all come on up with the worship team and everything, too. Just to say this, our communion is open. You do not have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Communion is a time of evaluation, a time of examination. The whole point of this is not to make you feel guilty. The whole point of this is for the Holy Spirit to show us who we are and then reconnect our life to do that which is right, to do that which is holy. This is a time. This is a time to renew your hope of the calling to which we've all been called. This is a time of togetherness and a time of connectedness.
It doesn't matter where your membership is. You're a part of the body of Christ. One body. It doesn't matter how you choose to worship on most Sunday mornings. You're here this morning. One spirit. And we're all in this together. There's only one hope. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity which we've had to come here and to hear your word. Lord, as we take communion together right now, Father, I pray that you will break our hearts. Not just bend it, but truly break it. Break it of itself. In our natural state, you tell us that we are deceitful and we are evil. But you're going to replace this heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Eyes to see those who are around us. Ears to hear that which is going on in other people's lives. Help us, Father, as we examine ourselves and we flesh out all the junk and replace that with you. Show us how we're to serve you. This we pray now in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask our deacon to stand. You guys can go ahead. <laughs>